Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, a little bit, almost halfway through the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to jump right in uh, to the reading of the text here. Um, and, and right before I do that, I want to make one quick note. And here's the thing, when you, there's certain types of messages that, you, that we preach and, you know, some messages are real high inspiration oriented with kind of sometimes a singular focus to, 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 that we feel from the Lord for us to, as a people to respond to. Some messages can sometimes be a little correction in ori- in or, or oriented. Other messages could be evangelistic where we really, really feel to preach the gospel in a very concise and a, in a clear way. And then there's other types of messages that are more instructional. And today is, is, is a bit of an instru- is, is actually an instructional message. Um, we have, we're we're going to march through a decent amount of, of material here, but really feel uh, from the Lord to talk about a, a, a topic that requires us to kind of walk through in an instructional fashion. So I want you to really turn your hearts on and turn your minds on and and be ready uh, to take in. One of the things I want to encourage you to do, um, you don't have to, sometimes people, you know, when you're preaching, sometimes you see people, they're taking notes trying to write everything down and you feel bad because you're like, you're never going to catch up, dude. I'm sorry. I got to stop. Okay. And, um, but we have, we, if you don't know, we upload all of our slides every Sunday. They're on our website with the, if you go on the website to the sermons, you'll see audio and you could click on the notes. So the notes will be up there. So there's a lot to take in, but I feel like it's really important for us today to talk about this subject matter. So I want to walk through Ephesians, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter five, starting in verse 13. And it says this, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking, taken forward, can we all say forward, to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Let me pray. Father, today we thank you uh, for the eternal word of God. And Jesus, we are your people. This is your church. And as we gather around your word, we pray that you would speak to every heart in a very specific way. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that, that you are able to get at the areas of our lives that, that we ourselves can't even get to. And so we pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit through the illumination of your word. And God, we love you and we thank you for this time and we thank you for all that you have in store for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So um, in order to set up the topic here uh, this morning, uh, how many of you remember Maybe you bought these for your kids, or maybe more like me, when you were younger, you used to ride this thing called the big wheel. You guys remember the big wheels? All right, now if you happen to need a little reminder, I've got a little vintage picture for you that will kind of help you understand what a big wheel is, okay? Classic right there, right? That's just one happy child right there, right? Classic big wheel. So what used to happen, me, I, used, I grew up on these things, and me and, and, the neighbor, and the neighbors, we would take the big wheel, and this is, you know, no one wanted a tricycle back then. You wanted a big wheel, okay? And they had, like, the Smurf version. They had, like, the Knight Rider version. They had, like, you know, the Star Wars. They had all these different versions of the big wheel, and you were ready to rock and roll. And the fun thing is, me and my friends, we would do something kind of like this next picture. We would race like this, you know, like right another thing. And we would ride the big wheel so hard. How many of you remember that thing start to crack? The wheels start to crack? We're like, I'm going to keep going. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. You put duct tape on that thing. You know, my mom was like, that will last you till next Christmas, okay? I don't care. And you get rocks up inside there, and it turned into this whole thing. And so, um, and, and I remember you would, we would do this thing where sometimes you'd go down a hill. Now, it's kind of like a fixed gear, so you, you'd have to pedal so fast, so you'd take your feet and put them out and kind of fly down the hill, right? So, you know, when you're a kid, you're younger, not a problem. Riding big wheels is, is fine. But then I realized there's this big phenomenon that goes on where, where actually it's not just kids that ride big wheels, but you've got older people that ride the big wheels. 
And this has become a big craze around the world. You've got these big wheel races where these grown people will get on these little tiny big wheels at the top of a hill and ride those brothers all the way down to the bottom. And that's funny, and you could say, okay, that's your hobby, cool, and you can do that from time to time. But sometimes our spiritual life actually looks like this. So we should have grown up in certain areas, but because we haven't matured for a variety of different reasons, we're still kind of riding a spiritual big wheel, so to speak. And we could take pride in it or we can become comfortable in it, but there comes a, a time when we have to really take a look at where are we on the maturity spectrum. On the maturity spectrum. This Bible verse, the scripture here, talks very clearly about what it actually means to be a mature Christian. Talking about that it's, it's a bit of a correction to followers of Jesus saying, listen, you should have grown up by now in this area. So what is spiritual maturity? What is some, how do you describe spiritual maturity? Because what I want to let you know is that spiritual maturity is not time. You might have 20 years in God, but you could still be immature. Because you could say, well, I've been following God for 20 years. Well, that's fine, but have you grown up in the Lord? And that's the whole idea here. And this is a burden that as a pastor and as leaders we feel all the time where we're just showing up is so important. Showing up is wonderful. But we're not interested in the fact that, that Christians are just showing up, but we are responsible, and, and as Christians, we're responsible for ourselves to say, Lord, am I growing, am I maturing in you? The title of today's message is Training for Maturity. Training for Maturity. And the reason it's training for maturity is if you look down at your Bible verse, if you look down, down, down at your Bible, and you look there at verse uh, 14, it says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained, can we say trained? Interesting, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. The mature, they learn, they train themselves to be able to, dis, to, to, be able to discern if something is good or bad. And so, so I wanna, let me just give you a quick matrix here real quick, kind of a quick contrast of what an immature and a mature Christian would look, would look like, what the differences would be. And on the left-hand side here, you'll see in, what, some various aspects of immature Christianity. On the right side is mature Christianity. We could have a lot more, uh, but for the sake of our time here today, I just want to highlight four of them. So an immature Christian lives life according to what is seen. A mature Christian lives life according to what is unseen. An immature Christian prioritizes the voice of man. A mature Christian prioritizes the voice of God. An immature Christian is satisfied by the pleasures of the world. A mature Christian is satisfied by the pleasures of God. An immature Christian ignores the nudges of the conscience. We'll talk, unpack that a little bit later. The mature Christian is sensitive to the nudges of the conscience. If you look here at Hebrews 5.14, I want to pull, I want to, bring up the New American Standard Version. It gives a little bit of a clearer picture on what this idea of maturity and training is. It says, but the solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Okay, now we're getting a little bit clearer of a picture of what spiritual maturity is. The people who are mature in the Lord, they have trained their senses. Can we say senses together? Senses to discern good and evil. Now, we have physical senses. We have the sight. We have hearing. We have smell. We have taste. We have touch. These are physical senses. But this is not talking about physical senses. This is talking about spiritual senses. The actual Greek idea is the sensory organs, meaning all the various things that make up the spiritual man, so that they could be able to, whenever we go, we can discern what is good and what is evil. And by the way, I think it's important to note that the writer of Hebrews does not say that the spiritually mature are able to discern between what is right and wrong, but able to discern what is good and evil, because sometimes things might be right, but they might not be good for you. Sometimes things, you say, well, it's not wrong to do this. Well, just because it's not wrong 
does that mean that it's God's best for you? See, a spiritually mature person doesn't just say, well, am I not sinning against God? A spiritually mature person is able to say, okay, I, I, I've, I've graduated by beyond just, okay, let me just not sin. I've graduated to the place of God. Everything that I do in my life, I want it to be the best that you have for me, Lord. So what is good and what is evil? Matthew Henry, for the sake of time, I'm not going to put it up. Matthew Henry, a great preacher and a great man of God, talks about the idea that spiritual senses, just listen here real quick, I'm going to read this to you, I want to read this to you, not only reason and faith, but spiritual sense will teach men to distinguish between what is pleasing and what is provoking to God, because we can please or provoke the Lord, between what is helpful and what is harmful to our souls. Because sometimes something may not be wrong, but it could still hinder our connection with Jesus. And so this is a mat- this is we're going to walk through what is it to be does it, what does it look like to be spiritually mature? Well, in order to do that, I want to I want to utilize this picture of senses, and I want to from the physical w- world, and we want to bring it into the spiritual world. And by the way, if I can give a little note about science. Some of the greatest scientists pre the evolutionary period, some of the greatest scientists were actually incredible theologians and great men of God. Because science should be studied within the context of who God is. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. Meaning, we can observe the universe around us, and because the creator has created a creation, we can learn a lot about who he is by observing the world around us. You see that all throughout the Bible. And so, and you see these analogies, you see these metaphors, different pictures that God will use in the Bible about the world and about the universe around us. And so this is one of those ideas. We're going to look at physical senses, and that's going to be an illustration and a picture for us of what that looks like internally when it comes to our spiritual senses. And the question for you is, when was the last time you thought about your spiritual senses? Because we have physical sight. Have you thought about your spiritual sight? We have physical hearing. Have you thought about how well your spiritual hearing is doing? We have a, we have a, a, a physical um, 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 a sense of, of touch. Have you thought about the spiritual sense of touch? And so now what we're going to do is we're going to walk through what are these various senses and how are we doing. So the way that we're going to do it is we're going to do what what I want to call a spiritual sensory assessment and a training. We did a little bit of research on this idea and um, in 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 the physical world, if somebody gets in an accident or has some sort of trauma, sometimes the, their physical senses can become impaired. Uh, you may have, somebody may have burned, had incredible burns on their hand, and they, the, the nerves are impaired, and they can't feel, they can't touch anymore, they can't, they can't feel in their hands. Sometimes people can get their eyes damaged, and they've got to go through eye rehabilitation, hearing, and the like, and there's a sensory training that they have to many times go through when it comes to rehab. Sensory training happens in the physical in order to help people reorient and fix their senses. So today is going to be, by God's grace, a form of a spiritual sensory recalibration. So the first sense I want to walk through is sense number one is spiritual eyes, is spiritual eyes. How are our spiritual eyes doing? How are our spiritual eyes doing? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because we talked about this idea a lot last week, but I thought it was important enough to bring up one more time. And the, and, and, and the question that I have today, and I'm going to have a, sort, a set of assessment questions as we walk through each one of these senses. The first assessment I have is, do you live, do I live, by what you see in the world or, or by the unseen reality of God's kingdom? And so these are, this is an important question. Does, so I, more than likely, 95% of us who are here in this room right now, we could say, well, I'm living by what's the unseen reality of God's kingdom because we're in, we're in the church and we're together. Yes. But what about tomorrow? What about Tuesday morning? What about Thursday afternoon? And what about Friday and Saturday night? Are we living our lives in a way that is driven by what is unseen versus by what 
is seen. Are we living our lives based on what is based upon what is unseen versus what is actually seen? We don't need physical sight to believe in God because our sight needs to be spiritual. We need to be able to do it by faith. Last week we talked about doubting Thomas and how Thomas said, I have to touch him. I have to be able to see it with my own eyes in order to believe. But that's not the way that we are supposed to live when it comes to the unseen reality of God's kingdom. And here's a training tip. I'm going to have a couple of training tips. Here's a training tip is that we need to pray daily for God to open up the eyes of our hearts. Pray daily for God to open the eyes of your heart. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is a great thing to pray at the beginning of every day. God, would you open my eyes so I can see? Well-known story in the Old Testament. One of the prophets was surrounded he was surround, his, surrounded by his enemies, and he was, he was as cool as ice. He was just totally fine. And his servant says, how in the world can you be so calm? We're going we're gonna to die. I'm paraphrasing. And he said, Lord, open my servant's eyes so he can see. And then God opened the servant's eyes, and he, there was a big army surrounded them, but there was a bigger army surrounded that army, and it was the chariots and the army of God. Amen. And brothers and sisters, this could be, I want to encourage you, pray this for your children. Pray this, God, when they're in the cesspool of darkness, when they go to school and, they, and they're being bombarded with all of the senses and all of the things of the world and everything is about what you see and what you can touch and all of the experiences that they're being tempted with, God, may they be reminded and may their spiritual sight be so clear that they can zero in on the kingdom of God. May they be able to be aware of the fact that God is with them and if God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, may our children not be overcome by the darkness, but may they be able to not only see the light, but recognize that they are in the middle of the light, okay? Spiritual sight is very important because our sight helps bring the perspective that we need. That's the first sense. The second sense for us to assess today, because remember, once again, let me put, I forgot to put this up earlier, but remember, the training for maturity is the training of the senses, so why do we have to go through this, this senses awareness is because as the writer of Hebrews says that the mature have actually trained their spiritual senses. Can we all say the word trained one more time? Trained. And by the way, this idea of trained is systematic work systematic action. There are many, many moments when we come to the altar or we're, we're in a lot of places in our life and we receive God's incredible outpouring and grace and healing and transformation. But there, becomes, there comes a point, and there's wonderful moments like that, but there comes a place where we have to be responsible for our own soul and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to begin to walk out by the grace of God every single day, and I'm going to, be able to, I'm going to begin to train myself, not in the physical world, but I'm going to begin to train myself in the spiritual world. And that's a place of responsibility. Unfortunately, there, it's prevailing in the culture that someone else is responsible for all of my challenges. Or someone else is responsible for my growth. Someone else is responsible for this. No, we cross the line of maturity and we say, you know what, I'm responsible for my growth. I'm responsible to feed myself and to grow myself. And that's what the mature Christian actually does. The mature Christian actually does. So, this, so the second sense is spiritual ears. Spiritual ears. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So our, the question for our own assessment today of our spiritual senses is how clear is the voice of God compared to the voices of this world? How clear is the voice of God compared to the voices of this world? world. The day and age that we're living in is just incredibly noisy. How many can say amen? amen? It's loud. You've got social media. You've got television. You've got, we have our cell phones. We have the pace of life that we are living. And, and there, there are kind of wars of attrition that take place 
on the soul. And one of those, one of those battles that are constantly have to fight is the battle of noise. Noise, 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 noise. God wants to speak to us. And a sign of a mature Christian is the ability to hear the voice of God. How do you know you're growing in the Lord? You're growing in the Lord when you can begin to say, the Lord said this to me. And I, I was able to discern and to hear the voice of God in, in the middle of all of the noise. Now, the primary way that the Lord speaks to us is through the word of God. Sometimes we say, well, I'm not hearing God. Well, I say, well, there's a couple thousand pages where he wants to talk to you. Amen. Well, the Lord's not speaking to me. Well, why don't you pick up the first stop? The first thing that he said is here. These are the words of life. And God wants to speak to us, but sometimes our ears are clogged up and we can't hear the voice of God. Everyone put your hands over your ears real quick. Just put your hands, okay? So sometimes we live our life like this and then sometimes God's voice even seems Take your hands off, okay? Sometimes we can go for days like this. Sometimes we can go for weeks, months. God forbid, some, maybe someone in here has been walking in their relationship with God for years and their ears are clogged. And we say, God's not speaking to me. Oh, we know he's speaking. What really is happening is, can we hear his voice? Let's go to the physical world for a second to build upon our picture of the physical senses. Listen to this. Hearing takes place through, through vibrations created by motion. Waves travel through our ears to the brain where receptor cells send messages to the brain. The brain interprets the frequencies of these vibrations and compares it to memories. Our ears, listen to this, our ears pick up thousands of sounds yet only select those most relevant to the situation for us to hear. Fascinating. It's from a science journal. Fascinating the idea that in various times there actually could be hundreds if not thousands of different sounds happening around us, but the way that we're wired, we only pick up the things that are more, the most relevant for us to hear. And some of you mothers have finally figured out why your teenager won't listen to you, okay? Like, science, it was, it's all science. Well, sometimes it's science, sometimes it's not. But the point is, is it's human nature sometimes not to hear everything because we can't. Our, our brains, I don't think, can actually compute and handle all of it. But sometimes this can happen in our walk with the Lord, is we've prioritized other voices over his voice. And because we've prioritized other voices, his voice becomes diminished and becomes very difficult for us to hear. And so one of the things that has to happen is that our ears need to be calibrated. Can we say calibrated? Calibrated to God's voice. It's like Samuel, remember the boy Samuel in the temple? who the Lord had to call him three times. If you haven't read that, go read the uh, book of 1 Samuel. One of the greatest prophets of, of Israel was a young boy, and he was, he was serving in the temple in God's house, and he was laying down one night, and God called his name. But he was not used to hearing the voice of God, so he didn't even recognize it was the Lord calling him. And he ran to Eli, who was the priest. He said, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Goes to sleep again, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli, the priest. Samuel says, I didn't call you. Goes, the third time, Samuel, Samuel, his priest, a form of a pastor, told him, hey, I, hey, okay, that's not me talking. God's talking. Someone helped him to calibrate his ear. And then he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And sometimes our ears can get clogged, and we can say, Lord, I need you to open my ears to hear you. Because, Lord, I am, I'm ready to listen to your voice. The last thing on spiritual hearing is sometimes our ears have become clogged because of disobedience. God is not a wasteful God. He's a patient God. And sometimes the Lord has spoken to us many times about a certain issue, but we've done this. And he'll stop talking completely. And Maybe you're here today and the Lord has gone silent on you because you've been disobedient in a certain area. And the Lord is waiting for you to be obedient 
in that area. And once you obey the voice of the Lord from last week, he'll speak to you this week. Once you obey the voice of the Lord from last month, he'll speak to you tomorrow. Obedience and hearing are very important when it comes to spiritual sensitivity. A couple training tips for us when it comes to hearing and our spiritual ears. Recalibrate daily. Let God's voice through his word be the first voice we hear in a day. In the day. Look up here for a second. I'll read the rest. The primary way that we hear the voice of God is through the word of God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So the re- this is the word of the Lord. This is the very words of God. Sometimes people say, well, I'm not hearing God. And we say, well, open your Bible. He's got a couple thousand pages of words that he wants to speak to you about. This is living. It's active. It's ready. It's applicable to our daily life. And so one of the ways to combat the noise, I'm not going to jump off there. (laughs) One of the ways that we combat the noise is, let me get this thing over here, is, well, in the morning time, when you get up, we talk about this, take your time in the morning before your day starts, sit down in your chair, wherever, kitchen table, couch, whatever you got to do, try to do this before you leave the house. Some people do their devos at night, which is fine which is great, do it when it's best for you, but there's, even if you can't take a long time in the morning, there's something about taking just a couple of moments and opening your voice, opening your ear to the word of God and recalibrating every single day. Because if the first voice we hear is CNN or Fox News or the radio station or, your, or the email or the text message or the social media, we're off to, to the races and the world has had the first say. But what we need to be able to do, and this is very difficult, I read my Bible on my iPad and sometimes I gotta put everything on do not disturb, I gotta go to the scrolls sometimes because I, sometimes it's, it's too tempting to wanna check an email or look at a thing and I'm like, okay, I cannot allow, and many times we're the culprit, okay? Blame everyone, no, we're the, a lot of times like, Lord, I want your voice to be the first thing that I hear. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let's us be careful that none of you be found fall, falling short of it. It's just a verse in the Bible I just read. And you sit there and you say, Lord, there's time in, in your presence, Lord. I'm able to enter your rest. God, thank you for speaking to me. Calibrate your heart. Calibrate your ear to his voice. And this is not per, a perfect science. And remember, maturity doesn't happen overnight. But the mature practice, can we all say practice? They literally practice. It doesn't happen to them. It's a day-by-day practice. Those who are spiritually mature, they've learned to every single day calibrate their ear. I remember, forget, when I was a a Bible school student, a couple weeks in, at Moody Bible Institute, I came here to Chicago Tabernacle, had lunch with pastor, and I was um, a real firecracker of a young man, and I have all these, just, you know, praise God for growing up. But I remember asking him, you know, so how do you hear God? He talked about how he got up at five in the morning. I'm like, every day? He's like, every day. I said, for how long? For like, 10 years. I was like, good gracious. And, but I remember thinking that's why he hears the voice of the Lord. And I'll never forget the first morning that I got up early. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. There was, an, there was a lobby. There was where the elevators were at my school on my floor. And I went out and I was like, man, I didn't think anything existed at this time of day, you know. And I took my Bible and back then I think it was Folger's Coffee. Don't tell anybody. But, you know, that's what we, that's what we had took my Folgers and sat there, and I remember everything was so quiet. And I almost didn't know what to do. It was so quiet, except fall asleep, but I got over that soon. God helped me with that. The point is this, brothers and sisters, the first training tip, calibrate your ear first. Second training tip, retreat when needed and withdraw from the noise to center back on his voice. So sometimes we have to retreat. Don't make a decision under anxiety and fear. It's a big mistake. If you don't have a clear sense of truth, if you don't have a clear sense of the voice of the Lord, and I'm not saying like some facts from heaven, I mean like that spiritual sense that I don't even have a Bible verse to hold on to right now. Retreat, open your Bible, go to your car, go around and walk around the block, do whatever you need to do to get away from the noise and to recenter on his voice. That's what the mature do. The mature don't just rush in when they can't hear. They say, Lord, I can't move. I need to hear from you, God. God, speak to me, Lord. I'm listening, Lord. 
Last little training tip on this is we kind of touched on this last, um, uh, just a couple minutes ago. Obey immediately. Build a reputation with God of being a servant who responds quickly when instructions are given. Daniel was a prophet who the Bible says was highly esteemed. And God doesn't show favorites. He loves everybody equal. However, there are certain servants of his that the Bible does articulate as different. And you know what you, we can do? Prayer is God, may us at the Chicago Tabernacle, we don't need to be successful or popular, but God, may we be popular in heaven. That's what's important. May we be known as a people who respond to the voice of God. May we be known as a people who obey immediately when the Lord speaks. God, we want to have a reputation. We don't need a reputation with man. We want a reputation with the Lord. A reputation that is known as a people who obey and respond to the voice of the Lord. The third spiritual sense, and stick with me, two more, and we're going to be done. The third spiritual sense, and by the way, just to, if you might, let me pause, I should have said this up front. Yes, there are five senses, I recognize that. Um, the, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about smell, because, which, because in a lot of ways, smell is this idea of discernment, and, and, and discern, remember, all of these senses are, we're, we're just highlighting four of them, and all of these senses all wrap together kind of around this idea of discernment. So I'm not going to talk about, uh, about that sense today. However, the third spiritual sense that I want to talk about is spiritual taste. Remember, the mature practice these spiritual senses, and it's what helps them become mature. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Here's the, first, here's, the quick, here's the assessment question as we're going through this spiritual sensory assessment of our own lives. How big is your, how big is my spiritual appetite? How big is it today? Do we desire, do we long for the things of the spirit. We obviously know the flesh has desires. The Bible says to put your flesh to death daily. But a very important question for us is how big is our spiritual appetite? Is the Lord a delight to you or a burden? And listen, don't be condemned. Let's just be honest. There are seasons of a Christian's life when following the Lord just plain and simple, is not a pleasure. Jesus, when he took his cross up the hill, that was not a fun time. But God does not want us to perpetuate in a place of, like that. There should always be moments when we should be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says that your word is like honey upon my lips and my, upon my tongue. Honey is sweet. One of the sweetest elements and sweetest things known in the ancient world. And so you call it high fructose corn syrup or whatever we got today, okay? It's sweet. I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget this when uh, I was in college. Uh, you know, I did what, we did a lot of things what Christian college students do. And we would have all-nighters watching movie marathons, and we would play all these video games, and we would do, we'd go out and eat, eat out late and do all, it was like all sensory driven all the time. And we were just having a lot of fun. We, were, we loved God. We weren't like rebellious and all of that, but we loved God, but we, were, we would, in a lot of ways, overindulge in our senses. We'd pull all these all-nighters and hang out and do all this stuff. And I remember one morning, I was in Bible school, mind you, I woke up and I opened the Bible and everything inside of me did not want to be there. It felt like I was reading a phone book. And I'm reading through these passages and I'm like, this is, I don't, this is not alive. And, and I started praying and asking the Lord, oh Lord, help me. It's a dry season and all this. And then we go through dry seasons from time to time. But the Holy Spirit pointed out to me, he says, well, you want to go do all that other stuff, but you don't want to come read my word. You'll spend hours watching these movies and hours playing these games and hours with your friends doing all this other stuff, but 
you, you don't want to spend time. And so what the Lord began, and I, and I, was, I, read, I came across the scripture, which maybe we'll put that up for next, next service, that your word is like a hun- is honey upon my lips. And I said, God, this word is not honey to me right now. And the, and the Holy Spirit helped me to understand it's not honey because you've lost your spiritual appetite because you've been filling yourself on other things. Things that weren't necessarily sinful, but were not spiritual. And so we can fill ourselves on things that are sinful and that for sure will kill our spiritual appetite. But sometimes we could fill ourselves on things that aren't necessarily evil, but they're not good. Remember, the mature are able to discern between what's good and evil. And sometimes the Lord is like, listen, I need you to let go of this because I want to rejuvenate your spiritual appetite. If I can go back again to the fact of, you know, I love watching classic movies and all these other things, but you, you learn over the years that you kind of have to draw a line for yourself because you could overindulge in something that is seemingly okay, but it ends up wrecking your spiritual appetite. And when we wreck our spiritual appetite, we begin to lose our sense. And so, listen to this. This is an interesting thing about taste buds. Check this out. I actually think we have a slide for this. This is, in the, this is physical, in taste buds. Taste buds send signals of sweet, sour, salty, and bitter through nerve channels through the brain. Taste cells and receptors, these are the taste buds, regenerate about every 10 days. If you burn your tongue, your normal sense of taste can be regained. Now, remember, the heavens declare the glory of God. Nature, science can kind of reveal different aspects about, the, about God and about different things. Sometimes we burn our spiritual taste buds, and so the things of God do, are, no desire, are, are not desirable. We could be in a worship service, and the presence of God be coming down. And you're like, I know I should lift my hands. I know I should sing, but I have no desire to do that. Well, listen, if we constantly do not have spiritual desire, we need to take a look at that. We all go through seasons from time to time that we're like not doing well and we're like, you need to press through and that's good. But if perpetually, time after time after time after time after again, we don't have spiritual desire, that is not the optimal place God wants us to be. God wants us to want to be with him. God wants us to have a spiritual desire and an appetite to want to spend time with him. And so sometimes our spiritual taste buds can be burned. How many of you burned your tongue on a food? You know the worst is when you go to a nice restaurant and you're having a good meal and you burn right up front and then you can't taste the rest of the meal. You're like, let's leave. What a waste of money. Let's get out of here. Sometimes we burn our spiritual taste buds. And sometimes, you know, sin can burn our spiritual taste buds. If we're tasting and seeing that the world is good, that burns our spiritual taste buds because guess what? The world's not good. The world is empty and we've all been there. Sin does not satisfy, it just leaves you empty, 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 empty. But in the natural, taste buds can be regenerated within 10 days. And so what's wonderful for us as Christians is we can come to the Lord and say, God, I don't, my, my senses, I'm not mature in this area. And I need you, God. Would you heal my spiritual taste buds? God, I want uh, I I a fresh desire and an appetite for you, oh Lord. God, I want to come after you. Maybe today you need to plead the blood of Jesus because maybe you feel condemned. You're like, well, I shouldn't even, I, I love this other stuff so much. Well, if you love something else, just tell the Lord, ask for his help, and begin day by day by day practicing. Remember, sometimes God does not let us grow where we want to grow because he says, you want it all at once. I just want you to do it one day at a time. One day at a time. Lord, I I don't have the appetite today, but I'm trusting by faith that you're going to give it to me, Lord. And remember, this is not about, these are spiritual senses. This is not about getting a goose bump or a cool chill or some feeling. That's physical. That's natural. I praise God for moments that we feel the presence of God, but this is much bigger than that. Which leads me to the less, um, uh, actually, let me go through quick training points, and then we're going to go to the last sense, and we're going to pray together. Some training tips for us on the spiritual taste is, first of all, we just mentioned that, beware of overindulgence in the natural. If we overindulge in the natural, some, our spiritual taste buds can become uh, burnt and can be, we can lose our appetite. Ask the Lord to give you a new appetite. Say, God, give me a new appetite for you. Give me a new appetite for worship. God, I love the music of the world, but I recognize that that music is just evil and it doesn't build me up. God, give me, the, give me an appetite for the music of heaven, Lord. Ask God to give you a spiritual appetite. Last training tip on this here, to be patient. Let your spiritual taste buds develop, okay? 
Let your spiritual taste buds develop. What will happen is more and more and more and more and more, you're going to long for him more and more. And what I love about this, the Bible says we go from glory to glory and strength to strength. If you've been serving God for 25 years, he wants to give you a better, a bigger appetite than you've had in the last couple decades of serving him. There's more appetite that God wants to give us. And then the last thing is this, the last sense that we're going to talk about and then we're going to pray. And I know this has been a little bit long, but stick with me. We're landing here in a moment. The fourth sense that we need to exercise and practice, remember, the mature practice their spiritual senses, is spiritual touch. Interesting. Spiritual touch. Look at Matthew 17, 7. But Jesus came and touched them. He's talking about the disciples. Get up, he said, and don't be afraid. You can go home and read the rest of the context later. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is just a snapshot of a picture of walking with Jesus when he was there physically is Jesus was always touching his disciples. He was always touching the sick. He was always giving, he was, he was touching the children. He was touching and uh, releasing power, and, and he was very physical. He was very physical in, in his ministry. By the way, that's why we give hugs when people come in here. As pastor says, listen, the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. We're letting you off the hook, okay? Okay? So... Some people go their whole, their whole life without the right physical touch, but we're not, but, but so here's the thing. But remember, we're not talking about the physical senses here. So Jesus, he ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came down. Now when we, when we commit our hearts to Christ, Christ comes to live in us by the Holy Spirit through the Spirit. So what does the touch of God actually look like if that's a spiritual sense? What does spiritual touch look like? Well, one of the main ways that God touches us is he touches our hearts on a daily basis. And I want to actually use a very specific aspect of the internal life of a person, and it's their conscience. Can we all say conscience? Let's say a little louder. Conscience. Conscience. Our, okay, great. Our conscience, our conscience is, is our soul. It's the inner part of our being. Of when, we, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit, stick with me for a second, comes to live in, God by the Spirit comes to live inside of our heart and he becomes connected to our conscience, okay? All throughout the New Testament, do a word study on conscience in the Bible. You'll see time after time after time after time after time, there's a talking about synonymously many times about God and our conscience and our conscience and the Lord, our conscience and the Lord. And what happens is, there are supernatural moments when God will come and he'll touch your life. There are supernatural moments when God will touch you physically and physically healed. How many think are thankful for physical healing from the Lord today? Amen? He does that and he still does that. And there's moments when God will come and you'll be praying and you'll have an overwhelming physical sense of the presence of God. But, but remember, we have to get up and go and live every single day. And that is not normative. You can't live under the glory of God like that every day. You couldn't even operate. All throughout the Bible, when God came down physically and met with people, a lot of times they couldn't even stand up, okay? So that's why God came by his spirit. So internally, what does the touch of God look like? Well, the touch of God happens when, when God, he'll nudge, he'll nudge our conscience. He'll touch our very, our heart, and he'll give us these impressions internally. And so a good, a good version is the, of this is that we could be going about our life and going about our day, and all of a sudden, you, you, don't, you can't explain it, but something doesn't feel right. Have you ever had that moment where, like, something doesn't feel right and it ends up not being right? Well, many times, that's, the, that's God himself touching your conscience. He's saying, pay attention. That's not good. This is distinct from the voice of the Lord because many times we'll hear the voice of the Lord for instruction but sometimes God will touch us for a lot of various reasons, and one of the ways he does it is through our conscience. Now, that's the good side of it. The bad side of this, of what happens when we're immature or our senses are weakened, is the Bible talks about our consciences could be seared, which means we don't have any more feeling in our conscience. And that's a bad place to be as well. My question, the assessment question, the real quick one, we're going to pray together is today, is your conscience sensitive or seared? Is your conscience sensitive or is it seared? I'll tell a quick story, and then we had one of our sisters uh, was telling one of our pastors uh, the story, 
and emailed, her name's Julie, and she was on her way uh, to serve at the Story of Love, and she prayed a prayer as she left her car that day, as she, as she was on her way, in essence saying, God, I want you to order my steps. She was being sensitive to the Lord. And she said, Lord, I want you to direct me, I want you to help me. And she was walking on the street from the parking lot, coming to the church, and she saw two women pushing a stroller. And one of the women, interestingly enough, she said these words, she said, she said, man, I, I just want to be held. And our sister was walking along the street and she heard, she heard her say this. And so as she said it, she, she keeps going. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God touched her conscience, touched her. God didn't give her like a, a, a thus saith the Lord at that moment, but something moved her internally. And she had the overwhelming sense that she needed to turn around and she needed to go back and talk to those women. So because she was sensitive, she turned around, she went back and she started to talk to these women. And as she went back to them, let me read this for you. Let me just read this to you. As I walked back to them, I asked her if I could pray for her. She was moved and amazed and completely receptive. And she said, yes. And she said, it's no accident that we're meeting. They introduced themselves and, and the one who had spoken about really wanting to be loved and be held. And, and as she said it, she said God told her that God, she said she was amazed that God could hear her. And she said, and then all of a sudden she began to pray over her, our sister. And after praying for the Lord for these young women, she saw tears streaming down her face. The brokenhearted woman was wiping them and the other woman had tears as well. And then the woman began to testify to her that she'd been saved a year ago, but hasn't been to church in a year. And then she was right across the street from our church and she said, hey, why don't you come and join me? And the woman was, I don't know if she's here today or not, but she was able to, to come. She, and I, she came to a prayer meeting from what I understand and she came and she was connected. Now here's the thing, what would have happened if our sister wasn't sensitive in her conscience? She could have missed a huge moment. But that's mature Christianity. That's mature Christianity because her heart was sensitive. Some quick training points for when it comes to the spiritual touch. First of all, we need to prioritize spiritual touch over the physical touch. Second of, secondly, don't sin against your conscience. If you don't feel like you should do something, and I'm using the word feel because it's an internal thing. You're like, this doesn't seem right. Don't do it. The Bible says if you don't think something is right and you still do it, you're actually sinning against your own conscience. And that could sear it and sear our spiritual sense. And then lastly, pray that God would make you sensitive to his touch. Say, God, Lord, this is the, 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 the fifth, the fourth sense we're talking about. God, I, I, Lord, would you make me spiritually sensitive to your touch? Let's all stand to our feet. I want you to take the hand of the person next to you. Let's join hands across the aisles. We're gonna pray together. And you know, this is something that every single one of us needs. Re recognize that this is a, there was a lot today, but this was a training. And just, just close your eyes for a minute. As a, as a family, this is something together we wanna pray. God, we want you to mature us and strengthen us, Lord. But here's what I want us to pray to the left and to the right, because some of you here, we're gonna pray for maturity here in a moment. Some of you here, it, you know, it depends. Some of you, you need, you need to become more mature in your sight. You need to become mature in hearing the voice of the Lord. You need to become mature in your taste. The things of the world taste better to you than the things of the Lord. Or some of you just, you need, you need the Lord to wash your conscience afresh and anew because you're not sensitive to his touch. And I want you to pray to the left and to the right for your brother and sister. And I want you to begin to pray, God, would you touch their spiritual senses today? Rejuvenate, renew, renew our spiritual senses. Go open your, open your mouth, pray to the left and to the right, and pray for your brother and sister. God, wherever they find themselves today, would you send your spirit? Would you awaken, awaken our spiritual senses today? Awaken our spiritual senses today, we pray, Lord. Awaken our brother, awaken our sister, we pray, Lord spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, spiritual taste and spiritual touch today.
fresh grace. Fresh grace, help us to practice. Now begin to pray for your brother and sister to the left and the right. Pray, God, give them a new strength to practice in the spirit. That they would practice exercising their spiritual senses today. Give them strength and courage day by day by day to practice their spiritual senses. Hallelujah, Jesus. We pray, oh God, Lord, that you would, oh God, open up our eyes, oh God. Open up the eyes of our spirits, oh God. We pray that you would, oh God, Lord, help us to see the things that we need to see, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that you would help us to hear the voice of of the Father. Oh God, may we be sensitive to listen to what you're saying, oh God. May we be sensitive, oh God, to hear your voice, oh God, to go this way or to go that way, oh Lord. May we open up to new teaching, oh God. May we humble our hearts to receive new lessons from your throne, oh God. And Lord, we pray, oh God, Lord, that we would be hungry for you. We ask, oh God, Lord, for those of us, oh God, Lord, who maybe even, Lord, indulged in sin. And Lord, we've lost our taste for you and the things of God. We pray, renew our taste, oh God. Renew our appetite, oh Lord. We pray, oh God, even for those, oh God, Lord, who have just ignored, oh God, feeding on you, oh God, feeding from your presence. We pray, oh God, renew our appetite for you, Jesus. Renew our taste for you, oh God. And Lord, we just pray, oh God, Lord, that we would learn, oh God, to be sensitive to the touch of God, to be sensitive, oh God. Lord, may our consciences be trained, oh God. May we be sensitive, oh God, to know your leading, to know your guidance, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh Lord, that we would know the touch of God and that we would, oh God, Lord, seek after a touch from you, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that you would show us, oh God, what it means, oh Lord, to be touched by you so that, Lord, we can touch others, oh God, with your presence. We pray, oh God, Lord, draw near to us. Lord, mature us. Grow our roots down deep, we pray, oh God. Mature us. Help us to be able to discern between good and evil, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that we would discern your will, that we would discern your ways, that we would discern your voice, and that we would discern, oh God, even your preference, oh God. We love you and we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and praise the Lord today. Hallelujah.